0: Okay, I want you to turn to the person next to you when I say go and ask them this question. So you're going to turn to the person next to you and you're going to say, ask this question. Did you get what you deserved for Christmas? (laughs) Then the other person is going to ask you the same question. And then, if you need to turn and face someone else, do that. I want everyone. The question is did you get what you deserved for Christmas? One, two, three, go. Is that it How many of you got what you deserved for Christmas? Lift a hand okay. you know it's kind of a loaded question because well, you know it is what it is, but Christmas is over. I mean, so if you didn't get what you deserved, get over it. And if you did get what you deserved then Move on, move forward, because Christmas is—it's over. Matter of fact, I'm looking at it in a sense, Christmas in the rearview mirror. I mean, we ramped up, we did a lot of preparation, or at least uh, someone in our house did for a lot of things that needed to be done, and I uh, tried to help wherever I could, but. As far as I'm concerned, it's just like that rear view mirror in your car, not the backup camera to help you squeeze into a place or make sure that you're not going to bump in to somebody when you're trying to back up. But I'm talking rear view mirror and the fact that you're moving forward and it's, it's over. But is it really over? I think not. I think that what we have to do is just kind of shake off the uh I don't know if you ate too much over the holidays most of us usually do we need to uh clean out the pantry we need to get rid of that rich food we need to we need to do something to shake the uh the laziness however you want to think about it I mean it's good to have a break in the routine but it's also uh, the simple fact that you've got to get back into the groove of things. And as Christians, if Christmas does anything, it's not for us to have the constant idea that it's done and we're looking at it and the fact that it's already passed over us and we're looking forward to the next one next year. But it's the simple fact that Christmas, God's message to us, especially at this time of year, is to be one not that we want to get done but one that should help propel us into the future, into a new decade, as we talked about. We just have a couple more days of 2019, and the way we reckon time is not like God reckons time. It's not like he keeps time. He doesn't need an iWatch. He doesn't need a, a $20 Walmart watch. That's my favorite one to keep time. God keeps time on a different level than we do, but We do well to mark the passage of the days, of the seasons. So Christmas is not rear view mirror. It shouldn't be. So let's change our thinking today. There is a brief passage in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. It's my favorite book of the Bible. I think I've told you that before. I think that if you needed, if you only had one book that you could take out of the 66 books of the Bible, it would be, in my opinion, a wise choice to choose Philippians because it tells us just about everything we need to know. It tells us how to find Christ. It tells us how to live for him. It tells us how to get along with one another. It tells us when we don't get along with one another how to straighten things out. It gives us a a perfect picture of Jesus, and it tells us how we're to be living our lives. And it's over in the third chapter of Philippians, where, in verses 12, 13, and 14, Paul sums up his life, his direction, like this. He says, not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers... I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on for the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's not rearview mirror living. That is taking what is in the rearview mirror, perhaps. It's taking what has happened in the past, and it is using that memory, or it's using those lessons learned. It's using whatever has happened in the past to help propel us on into the future. Now, see, when you think of anything in the rearview mirror, question that comes to my mind is just, it's a simple one. It's like, like what's next? What, you know, what do we do? What, what follows up on this? And if you think about it, there are several things, including Christmas, where we spend an inordinate amount of time and energy focused upon that one day or that one event. Okay, I mean, let's start with Christmas. Most of us, Spent a lot of time. You spent a lot of money. You spent a lot of preparation. You have invested a whole lot in Christmas decorations and lights on your house, whatever the case may be, sending Christmas cards here, there, and yon to loved ones. And I'm not, I'm not knocking any of that, but I'm saying, we spend an inordinate amount of time and money and expense. We we really spare no expense for what for that one day or several hours in that one day. And I'm not talking it has to. It doesn't have to be December the 25th necessarily. In our family, the way we uh, uh, gather with our kids and their kids, and how we they negotiate with the other side of the family with. Uh, the uh, in-laws is that every year we trade off. And, you know, this was the year when Marcy and I had all of our kids on Thanksgiving, which meant on Christmas, we didn't. And this coming year, you know, looking forward to the next one, we'll have the, we won't have them on Thanksgiving, but we will have them on Christmas. But even when we have them on the 25th, we tell them we don't want you to come to our house on the 25th. That didn't sound right. Um, <laughs> we want you to stay at home. And build your own traditions and let the kids play with their toys all day long without having to leave them or whatever. And so for us, it's celebrating Christmas is not the 25th day of December necessarily. It's just any day that we can mark off during this break that most of us have in our work environment, schools, whatever. It's this pause that the world seems to take or at least our part of the world does, where we celebrate and we gather. But regardless, whether it's on the 25th of December or whether it's midnight Christmas Eve, when your family does its thing, you spend a lot and an inordinate amount of time and energy and expense for that one day. So what's next? Or you think about weddings. I mean, think about weddings. You... Spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, you invest a whole lot in all kinds of decisions and you're doing this to prepare for what? For one event on one particular day. Now I know there's some ramping up, you got to have a rehearsal perhaps or, you know, whatever the case may be. But let's just say if you're taking a couple of days, all of those things are going to happen with just within the span of several hours. You have ramped up to this moment. You have spent a lot of your energy. You have spent a lot of time. You have spent a lot of money. You have spared no expense. You have, you know, purchased all the things that you need to, the clothing and ever getting the groomsmen to look right. And you never do get groomsmen to look right because they just don't know how to look right. But you get them together and you do all of that and... It's for that one day. That's why we tell folks that go through our marriage countdown class that we'll be beginning again here in, uh, I think, the first Sunday of February. Uh, We pick up with this uh, preparation for marriage class. And that's one of the first things we try to help these couples that are engaged is that you're going to spend a lot of time, and we don't begrudge that we don't criticize you for what you're going to do and how, the preparation and how you want everything to be just perfect, but at the same time, what's next? What, what are you going to be, what builds on all of that energy and time spent for Christmas with your family or spent with a wedding and all the preparation that goes along with it? what? is next or let's get a little bit closer to home let's think about buildings buildings when I think about what we've invested here what we have done here in our church over the past couple of years in putting together a building an expansion of our facilities that we hope will help us as we have said it project ourselves to be what we feel God has called us to be, and that is a multi-generational church, family-oriented, that we have facilities that help us disciple from the littlest ones all the way up to the oldest among us. And a lot of that has been preparing. It's been gathering pledges it's been asking people to give generously it's begun, it's a, it's all wrapped up in and it took more than a day to get it built yes but a whole lot has been done just so that we could have a facility and then the question is it's an obvious one what's next what do we do now did we build a building just to build a building did we do all of this or are we involved in all this just because it felt like it's something we wanted to do or we needed to make sure that we put something there on that part of the land that didn't have anything on it? What is next? This is where I'm coming from. This is what, this is what frustrates most of us is that we go to all this energy, we spend all this time, all this energy, all this expense, and when it comes to the fact what do we do next? We freeze up. We're not sure what to do. It's kind of like this ladder here. Matter of fact, I would say this represents or it should represent your life or the direction that your life is going. I need to ask uh, my granddaughter that sits with us at church Uh, Brighton, if you'll come up here and help me, please. That means get up from where you are and move this way. If you would, please climb this ladder. Yes, if you would, please. What'd you stop for? Okay. That's good. No, 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 That's good. That's good. That's good. Right there. Just stay right there. Just stay right there. Okay. This is my daughter. My daughter, my granddaughter, Brighton, so say hello to Brighton, okay, say hello, hello. okay all right brighton 's on her ladder this is this is her ladder. This is representing are you okay? can you stay there for a few minutes okay i didn 't prep her for this at all, so if you if you're yeah. you 're okay if you 're getting dizzy, then just jump right down there and you should be okay. But this is this represents her life. It represents the direction that her life's going. Now, you're 12 years old, so you might say, well, she's got a lot of, of time on her side. She has a lot to do to accomplish in her life, and that's true. But at the same time, she has set the direction that her life is going to go by where her ladder is. So let's ask it this way. What if so many years from now Brighton gets to close to the top of the ladder and that could represent any number of things, not just getting older, but it could represent uh, some of the goals maybe she has in life to go to college or if she gets married or whatever the case may be. What if she were to all of a sudden find out that her ladder had been leaning on the wrong wall? Now, we can't visualize that here because we don't have a wall where we can lean this ladder up against it but if you can envision it even though it's a, an extent, if it's a ladder what you, what kind of ladder is this it's a it's a ladder ladder it's the kind, it's an A frame it's an A yeah an A ladder okay it's a ladder but if you could envision this being up against one of these walls And envision that that was the wrong wall. What does that do? What does that, how does that make you feel? That you've spent all this time and energy come to find out your life has been based upon, it's been leaning on the wrong thing. That's what happens to some of us. As we lose perspective, we lose sight of where we are, what we should be doing. We find that our ladder has been against the wrong wall all along. Okay, now, if you'll do one other thing for me, then I'll let you get down. If you will go up one more step, okay, then I want you to reach out as far as you can and... that's not near far enough. Okay. If you'll reach out, no, not that way, but out this way, like you're trying to, yeah, there you go. Okay. Does that feel, you feel uh, a little strange? You feel like you're about to fall? I don't want you to fall. So come back, come back. Yeah, there you go. Now, ask me to hold the ladder for you to kind of brace the ladder so you can do that. So ask me to do that would I please hold the ladder for you? No, because I'm tired. No, I, I will. So now you're going to lean, but I'm going to have a I'm going to have my grip on the ladder. I'm watching you. So now see if you can lean out a little bit far. Doesn't feel quite as bad, does it? Okay. And if you can envision, you know, someone over here holding it or somebody here as well or back over on this side, we're all holding it, then makes you feel much better about things or it should. Okay, you can come down there. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Thank you very much. Where's your ladder? Makes a difference is it leaning against the wrong wall? But another question is who's Holding your ladder. Who is... You know how it is when you're on a ladder. No matter how firm or how good or how heavy. You know, these aluminum ladders are very lightweight. But there are some ladders that are made the way they used to be made. And that's out of wood. They're very heavy. But regardless, a ladder is going to only be as secure as those... Especially when you're up at the top where you shouldn't go any farther up... You've got to have some people holding and bracing that ladder. It just makes good It's just safety, no doubt. Who's holding your ladder? This goes to the people you hang around with. It speaks of, especially someone who is coming up through... Um, Children's age, student age, like my granddaughter and others, who are picking their friends, who are determining who's going to influence them. It's a big deal to consider who's holding your ladder. You don't want someone holding your ladder that doesn't care about you. You don't want someone holding on and, and bracing you in life only to leave when things get tough you want people holding your ladder you want people surrounding you and surrounding where you're going in your life pictured with this ladder you want those who love you who are going to be with you who are going to suffer alongside of you if that happens you want to make sure that the people who are holding your ladder are the people that you need and once again where is your ladder Something to consider. And who is holding your ladder is something to consider. You don't want to spend your life only to find out that you've been leaning, your life has been heading in the wrong direction all of a sudden, years down the road, you look back. What are you going to do? You want to make sure that now as you're moving through life, you're surrounding yourself with those people who count, who love you, who care about you, who only want the best for you. Key word for 2020. I want you to spend this year, at least as our church is moving forward, wrapped around a word. We did this Over the last year, thinking about, once again, we built a building, what are we going to do with it? Well, our word has been pursue, to pursue people, to pursue what God wants us to do. And so, once again, it's not been flashing every single time we've met, but the undercurrent in this past year, in 2019 has been that we're here to pursue people, not just to build a a building, open up expanded facilities and expect people to show up, expect people to be drawn here because we know that's not the case. The reason people will come this way is because we what? We pursue them. We go after them. We connect with them. So thinking toward a new decade, the year 2020... I want to ask you to consider another word, invest, invest. Now, don't don't go down the path that I think some of you are probably going, oh yeah, here's Stephen, you know, slipping in the money thing here. No, invest, of course, if you look it up by definition, it is going to say that you're taking a sum of money, that's one example, a sum of money, you're putting it in some, Uh, endeavor or some investment, uh, program to where you expect, reasonably expect to make a profit. That is one portion of invest. But if you look deeper into a dictionary's definition of invest, you will find that it is much broader than that. That it basically talks about any worthwhile effort you put forth that effort you get involved in that effort or efforts and you participate you invest your time invest your talents invest your gifts in those things that matter now that opens up all kinds possibilities, doesn't it? I wrote down a couple this week. Think about this year investing your life in serving to your church. Now, see, I I can't specify what that's going to mean for you, what it's going to say or exactly how to put that into practice. That's something that you will need to pray about and you will need to ask God to help you discover. And if you do, he will. But can you imagine what would happen if in the year 2020, the majority of us invested our lives in serving through our church? Serving means teaching in a class, perhaps. Serving could mean any number of responsibilities that make the church hum along on a given Sunday to Sunday. To be an usher, to participate in, to be a greeter, to invest, what? Investing your life is just that one word that drives you to do whatever it is God is leading you to do. What if you were to consider investing your life this year? And I'm not talking about just here at church, but investing your life in everything that you do for the purpose of fulfilling one of the reasons God has put us here together. It's called fellowship, relationship building. It is moving outside your circle of familiarity, perhaps. It's, you know, where you feel the most comfortable. Nothing wrong. We don't want you to feel uncomfortable when you're talking about doing the work of God through your, through your church family. But what if you were to broaden out and to expand what that means? To... If if you show up here at church on any given Sunday morning and you see somebody that you don't know their name, what if you were to ask you, introduce yourself and ask them what their name is? I mean, something as simple as that can make the difference in someone's life but I don't know how many times once again moving through the halls of our church you run into somebody that you think oh I can't say anything because they've been here forever or they think I've been here forever and I can't remember their name what's wrong with forgetting somebody's name I mean what's the big deal I can't remember everybody's name all the time And to reach out and to say something as simple as, hey, I see you here. Just your name's kind of slipping. Can you help me? I'm Bob, whatever. Simple thing. But what is it? It's an investment. It's an investment in someone's person. I know that, you know, you're sitting here going, Stephen, this is, This is so lame. It is so easy. Exactly. But it's something that I think we miss out on. And so I'm challenging you to invest. Invest in something as simple as serving. Invest in something as simple as fellowship. To invest in prayer. In prayer talking to God about anything, anytime, anywhere. But how much of an effort do you and I put forth in praying? We we have a prayer list. We mention it when we pray here corporately. On Sundays when we gather here, we're to take seriously what it means to intercede and to pray on behalf of others. But I'm asking you, what if you were to invest, which means... Put forth an extra effort in praying for your church, in praying for that circle of friends that are near and dear to you, in praying for those people out there beyond your comfort zone that you need to meet, that you need to to pray for, and to pray for God's will to be done in your life, and in the life of our church as we serve him together. You see what happens when when you take a word as simple as invest what it begins to do how it begins to affect the connectedness of our lives. So those are just a few things. I mean I want you to begin thinking in terms of that word though. I want you to begin Asking God to help you find that place where you can invest. We've got some ministries that take off here at the beginning of every year. A lot of them have to do with children and students, as you might imagine. We have retreats and we have a big Revo weekend coming up in our student ministry. I don't know if you've been asked to invest and to serve or to volunteer, but if you would... I think you would find that that investment will make the difference in someone's life as they're climbing the ladder. There is a Christmas carol that's a strange Christmas carol, or at least it's strange to me. You know, Christmas carols are, we sing them just that one time during the year. But there's one that I picked up on several years ago, and it, 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 it misses the point in some parts. It's called uh, In the Bleak Midwinter. We know that the snow and the bitter cold and jingle bells and all that goes along with our Christmas celebration, if you didn't know it, that probably was not the time. Jesus wasn't born in the bleak midwinter. He was born in the springtime. There's, there's little doubt about that. And if that hurts your feelings, get over it. Because that's just, that's just the simple fact that we've taken. And really what Christianity did is we took... The celebration of the birth of the Savior and we moved it to the winter solstice time, which is just this past week. We moved it to winter to compete with pagan celebrations centuries ago. It was a very smart move because it put us in a position as believers in Jesus to go up against pagan celebrations and to say this is what we should be celebrating. We should be celebrating the coming of the Christ child. And so we moved it. And then over the centuries, we get this idea that Jesus was born in, you know, frigid, cold times when that wasn't the case at all. You had shepherds out tending their flocks. It wasn't because there was snow they had to break through. It's because it was that time of year. But this carol talks about that winter time, which is okay. But what it does, It talks about
1: investing. Heaven cannot hold him Nor the earth sustain Heaven and earth shall welcome him When he comes to reign In the bleak midwinter A stable place sufficed For the Lord God Incarnate Jesus Christ What then can I give Him or as I am, if I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb, and if I were a wise man, I would do my part. So what I have, I give him. I will give my heart.
0: Father, that's our prayer today. That... We move forward from this Christmas and we move forward with expectancy, knowing that there's much to accomplish. Father, give us the courage to invest in one another, invest in the lives of people who are far removed from you. Teach us your way. And we thank you for blessing us. It's in the name of Christ Jesus, the Lord, we offer our prayer. Amen. We wrap up this hour the way we do when we gather. The Bible says that when God speaks, he gives us an opportunity to respond. And so we throw open the doors. We open up our hearts and our minds to what God would have us to do. If you're here today and you've never chosen to receive that gift of eternal life found only in Christ, if the meaning of Christmas just fell upon you and uncovered the ignorance in your life, but now you see it clearly and you understand that giving your life to that child in the manger who grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man and went to a cross and died that we might live and rose again and sits at the right hand of the throne of God for the time in God's timing when he will return. If giving your life to him is what you want to do, I want to ask you to come forward. Let us pray with you. You make that choice, most crucial choice you could ever make in your life. If you're here today and you know the Lord just hadn't told anyone, tell us. If We need to talk about what believer's baptism is all about. Let's do that so that you can experience that symbol of obedience, of your own choosing. Maybe you're looking for a place to belong, a church where you can plug in, a place where you can serve, a place where you can invest, and a place where people can invest in you, invest in me. You join a church like ours, it's a very simple process, but a very profound choice. You simply step out, announce your intention to join hands with us. We just make sure that we're on the same page of what it means to be a believer, experiencing believer's baptism, and then welcome you into the life of our congregation. So if that's something God has laid upon your heart, step out and come forward and make that choice today. But then for many of us, maybe that ladder is something that bothers you. Maybe you need to go back and do a little uh, reflection, a little checkup. Where is your ladder leading you? Who's holding it, if anyone? Can't do it alone, but some of us, many of us try to. But maybe just the picture of where you're headed, what you're doing, maybe that's going to spur thought. Maybe that's going to help you in moving forward. So whatever that choice is, whatever that obedience, that choice of obedience is, make it today. That's our invitation. I ask you to stand with us as we sing. You respond as God leads.